at CD Media, we are literally the tip of the spear. From Ukraine to the vaccine to Brazil, we've been at the tip of the spear on all these stories early. So if you want to know what's going on in the world early, before the rest of the news catches up, watch CD Media. But you know what? We have to make money. So we do have ads on the sites. But I know people don't like pop-up ads. They don't like ads. It's a problem. I mean, you get them on your phone, et cetera. If you don't like ads, you can sign up for our no ad subscription, which is a few bucks a month. You get access to all of our sites, not just CD Media, but the Manhattan, the Miami Independent, the Connecticut Sentinel, the Georgia Record, Armed Forces Press, Tsarism overseas in Eastern Europe, and CDM Espanol if you speak Spanish. So all of these sites are available with no ads. So sign up for our no ad subscription. You can find it on the websites. There's a pop-up and also in the top menu. And, and pay us a few bucks a month. Support free media. Support your children's future. Support the fight against the corrupt media narrative. Thank you very much. And now let's get to our guest. Hi, everyone. I'm Christine Dolan, and this is our Global Conversation show, Globalist in Plain Sight. And I just want to say that we are grateful that we are being um, syndicated on Conservative Daily Network and John B. Wells' Caravan to Midnight um, with an audience of 8 million. And today we have my very dear friend, colleague who I've worked with to fight human trafficking and protect children worldwide, Omera Sellier who is an author, journalist. She has been the founder and president of Innocence and Danger since 1999. We met in 2000. Homero, welcome to the show. Thank you, Christine. Thank you for having me. So in light of it being the beginning of 2023, you know, we have talked about this for a long time. What is the state of the safety of children, the protection of children across the world, because things are changing. And last week with the WHO meeting all week, and this week with Davos coming up, I thought it'd be an appropriate conversation for you and me as some, you know, as two people who have traveled the world and we've seen, you know, we've seen this go backwards from where, when we started off over 20 years ago to collaborate and to protect children worldwide on the street, over the internet, away from organ traffickers, labor traffickers, sex traffickers, now medical traffickers. So let's start with, I think, you know, your home country, Iran, because you know, as a child, when the, the um, fall of the Shah happened and you and your, your late sister, your twin sister, Goli, had to leave Iran, what's at risk when people are, quote unquote, refugees? OK, so let, let's begin with your personal story, because I think it's important for people to understand the context here. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, I mean, as you said, Christine, my twin sister, who no longer is here with us um, and myself, were sent like many other Iranians abroad when the country was going through turmoil. 
um, my parents thought that we would be safe in Europe. Um, what they didn't know, what nobody knew back then, is that when you are uh, a minor and when you are unprotected and when you have no family, it is like something which is written here that predators feel and sense. So we did, I did personally so many things during my studies in France back then, things that happened to my sister, to myself, to my friends, some of them with tragic endings. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that it is what happened to us during those days that not only opened my eyes, but changed totally the course of my life because I could no longer, even though I had done studies to work in public relations and other fields, I could no longer forget. I could never forget what I saw. I could never forget uh, what I witnessed. So I decided to do something and to be a person who can give a hand to minors who are defenseless, who are vulnerable, and who become praise to predators because I, I thought back then that everybody would help me. I thought back mm -hmm. then that this would be everybody's topic. I was wrong. Right. Predators were everywhere, but those who wanted to really help and who had the courage to, beyond words, beyond saying it's bad, it's sad, it's ugly, act upon it, were very few and still are very few. This is how Innocence in Danger is born. Life is made in a way that I wanted to do this. The Innocence in Danger was born after the bust of what was back then in 98, considered as the bust of the biggest cyber pedocriminal network through Operation Cathedral, which was the first police operation to bust criminal networks on internet. Let me so, let me interrupt for one second, Homera, because I want I want I, I wrote about this over 20 years ago. I want people to understand what Operation Cathedral was. It started off in the United States in California, and it was a little girl who spent the night at her. She was eight years of age, as I recollect. She spent the night at her um, friend's house, who was also eight years of age, another little girl. And then the mother of the girl who spent the night got a knock on the door by law enforcement at the time and said, be very careful uh, when your daughter has spent the night over at that person's house, because in fact, the father of that daughter at that house was under investigation for raping children. And as a result of that, they started talking to the little girl and they found out that the father of the friend took that eight-year-old girl who was a guest at that house and raped her on the uh, in, uh, on a live stream with taking instructions by the audience. Absolutely. And that's how they busted him. And then it went out to, I think it was, I, I might have the numbers wrong on this, but I know that I wrote about it in Shattered Innocence. It was uh, something like 30, 33 countries around the world that they had people coming in, but it was thousands of people that were looking at this. And it was, it was a big sweep at the time. So that was 1998. Go on. I just wanted the audience to understand. Yeah, absolutely huge. right. Yeah, it was called Operation Cathedral. And there were a few hundred children uh, who were identified 
over 1,200 or 300 adults who were identified. And as you said, the rapes were taking place live. Live streams and, with uh, instructions uh, from the audience. Exactly. And they would say, do this, do that, and so on. So basically the rapes were viewed and commissioned by a big number of people each time. Um, so this is how Innocence in Danger is born. Um, in 1999 at the headquarters of UNESCO, where I started my work as a volunteer, uh, but I did leave UNESCO in the year uh, on 2000 because I very quickly realized that all these big organizations, with all my due respect, they are very good to give conferences, they are very good to make piles of papers, but I wanted to be on the ground. I mm -hmm. wanted to not depend on a check that a country uh, would send to UNESCO or to UN and have to shut up about their deeds, what happens to the kids committed by those uh, nations. So mm -hmm. I left UNESCO and I um, basically started Innocence in Danger first in France and then other countries. So we are now 24 years old. It's an organization of 24 years old. We are active almost around the globe. And um, what I have to say is sad because I did believe that things will get better. I did believe that we will get help from those who can really make a difference. But I was wrong. Not only that help never came until today, from those who can really make a difference, it never came. But also, um, I can say with no hesitation that um, child pornography on internet is on a rise. It's, mm -hmm. it's, there's an explosion. I can say trafficking is the same thing. Mm -hmm. But also with all the wars and all the war zones around the globe, we know as a fact that each time there is a war, what is not seen in front of the media, what is not on the news, is the lives of hundreds of minors, hundreds, thousands, millions, depending where the war is, who are being endangered, who are trafficked, who are being raped, who are being sold, organ trafficking, etc., etc., etc. So this is really very sad. 24 years later, to see things are even worse, and to understand that there is no real help out there, and to understand that beyond the words of we protect our children, there is nothing, there is no action, that these are empty words, that nothing really happens on the ground. And we're also seeing, and I think the thing that saddens me and it makes me very angry, is that we're seeing the commodification of kids institu on institutional levels and in political. We're seeing people normalizing. We're seeing minor attracted persons thinking that this is normal and then selling a false narrative that they don't act out on children. When in fact, I have been present with people who claim to be minor attracted persons who had been in jail for 10 years for, for having a friend that they raped who was an eight-year-old child. So, I mean, the, the narratives are getting skewed. There's disinformation. Um, now, you and I are old enough to remember that when Jane Fonda came out and said she was against the African female mutilation, we were all against that. Now, all of a sudden, we're normalizing transgender. We're kids want to have their penises uh, castrated and their breasts 
removed and we're sitting back and saying, well, wait a second. Okay. So let's, let's talk about this because institutionally, when politicians talk about human rights, love whoever you want, be whoever you want to be, I, I think we're missing the, the important context of the seriousness yeah. of the impact this has on kids. Now, we know physiologically that children's discernment is not developed until they're in their early 20s. We know that kids can be curious about sex, especially if they're raped very young. And because of the world of the internet, they will go on that their mummy and daddy's laptops and computers at home, not know the difference between a misdemeanor and a felony, get curious about sex. They go on looking for pictures and they download something called child pornography, which is illegal. And that the ne and the, the next thing we know that there may be a cop knocking on the door because somebody at that IP address has looked at downloaded child pornography and it's not daddy or mummy, but it ha it might be a 13 year old or a 12 year old child. So the conversations that you and I have been having now, because we've known each other since 2000, the conversations that we have been having within our arena, what do we have to do to wake people up? Because I, I, I seriously am more worried about parents who really do care for their children, want to protect them, not getting the information that they need to have to understand. These aren't trends. These are life-changing yeah. uh, situations that can turn their, their, their families literally upside down. Christine, going back to what, uh, what is called LGBTQ, whatever, all this trend, I have to say uh, what I see of it are only tragedies because the kids, uh, adolescents who come to us to ask for help, or the parents who come to us to ask for help for their kids, mm -hmm. adolescent kids, they are all in situations where the, where the adolescent has been mutilated, as you say, where there are scars mm -hmm. from here to here because the breast have been, has been removed and so on. And they are unhappy and they believe, you see the problem is children, may, adolescents may think it's like a game on computer. You do it, but then you don't like it. You can come back. There is no coming back. Right. And it's very hard to say this to a parent or to somebody who's crying for help. We have seen in my work, suicides of those who went that road. We have seen um, drug abuse and dramatic broken relationships but the problem is what i do not understand is our governments who mm. are doing what they're doing who are making things look as if it's nothing i mean a child cannot drive before the age of 18 alcohol is forbidden to at uh, be uh, under the age of 18 why in such a big topic which is Say, I mean, you know, which is to know whether you want to be a man or a, I mean, even the question for me is, I'm sorry mm -hmm. to say this, even the questioning of it for me is something that needs education, needs information, and should be forbidden before the age of 20. 
I, I don't understand that in schools at age four or five, even in France, they are telling children, they are showing them books. You cannot say he or she anymore. You have to use another word because that person can be a he or a she. Why right. do we make our lives complicated? Is it not complicated enough? And well, also it is. And, and when you think about it, 20 years ago, we were talking about um, parental rights when people were getting computers in their homes and then their family rooms. And we're talking about, you know, protection and uh, per, um, contr parental controls mm -hmm. on the computers to prevent the kids by see seeing things that they shouldn't see, because we knew that the internet and it didn't matter whether it was Google or later when it was Facebook or Twitter or MySpace, we know, you and I know, the cops that we've worked with know this, the experts that we work with have known this, that the predators found the internet to be the Wild West because the perverts would go on the internet, find another pervert who would validate them, and then they would play the game of pretending to be a 12 or 13-year-old in a chat room or in a game video. Exactly. So, we so we're now on steroids where we have governments and world leaders in Western civilization trying to say, oh, this is normal. There's nothing wrong with this. When in fact, let's, let's before we get into going around the globe here, having conversations about this, Homero, I haven't, and I doubt if you have, but I'm going to ask the question. Have you ever met anybody who has been a victim who has in fact thought that they that they didn't have repercussions on their life. Because everyone that I met as an adult, whether it was in the Catholic church who were sexually abused, whether it was non-Catholic in terms of human trafficking, everybody has told me the dark stories about questioning their sexuality, drugs, alcohol, broken employments, broken agreements, Broken lives. Healing process Broken is life. always been tough. Yeah. Broken lives. I, uh, Christine, I join you totally there. I can say, I can claim with no hesitation that I have met and sat down with hundreds, thousands of victims of sexual abuse. Um, mm -hmm. There is no way that their lives have not been impacted from A to Z. Mm-hmm. And this, whatever whatever they are dealing with, their struggles very often go invisible because they they make the wrong choices to to get drugs, to become delinquents, to become predators, and those who do not, they remain victims all their lives. So this yeah. is broken lives. This means difficult relationships this means i mean all the repercussions are, are are for a lifetime they are not for a short period of time you know i remember in uh 2001 you and i were in uh paris and you introduced me to um you, you invited me to speak at the the un in geneva and then you told me i needed to come to paris to meet these little kids and these kids were like six seven eight years of age mm -hmm. and to make a long story short the fathers were predators. They knew each other. 
the, yeah. the parents were divorced. The um, little boy and the little girl that that I was introduced to at that point in time had met each other at these where the parents, where the, the father's groups were raping the kids. And I remember so clearly that both of the children said to us at the time that they knew something was wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. they knew that these were their daddies and these were their daddy's friends, but they knew something was wrong that was happening to them. You know, and I just, that's, that has struck with me for two decades in, in terms of, you know, the kids know. Kids know, of course, exactly. they know, but then as you know, they are threatened that if they speak out, they will be, they, the predator says, if you say anything to anyone, I'll kill you, I'll do it to your sister, I'll kill your mother. So right. they are all under a huge amount of threat um, and they are lost in translation, if I can say so. And when we go to courts, because we go to courts very often with the victims as the law um, in France, for example, allows us to um, constitute ourselves as victims next to the victims and go to court and be their voice. I mean, you know what? I did tell some of the political responsible people in France who claim they care about children. I said, you know what? Just come with me once to one court. Just listen to what a victim says in court. Mm -hmm. Listen to what a predator says. They, you know, they are not there. These courts are invisible. What happens in the courts is absolutely beyond words could ever describe. Right. So if they want to, so if they want to decriminalize, if they want to decriminalize pedophilia, absolutely, there is a movement that's out there to do it, and people need to understand this. That part of the normalization of what's going on is is. Um, is ultimately to decriminalize pedophilia. I mean, look what just uh, broke in the news uh, with Balenciaga. I'm sorry, I have to talk about this, Christine, because go ahead, go ahead. That is a, that is a, that's a brand. It's it's about uh, I think I think it's we about, talked about it about a month ago, and how their yeah. creative director yeah. uh, set up a set up a, a, a shoot and um, basically put pedophilia into the pictures. I mean, if, I, I would just like to invite whoever is interested to learn more and to see these pictures with their own eyes to simply Google Balenciaga Gate. Mm -hmm. And uh, the name of this designer is Demna, D-E-M-N-A. He's from Ukraine. Um, just look for yourself. For me to an organization of child protection, those pictures are absolutely criminal. Those children, I don't know what they have been explained to. Right. Because they are chained, because they are, they don't look okay. Um, I mean, they, it's, and then the uh, Balenciaga, uh, the, the, the maison, the how the brand is now suing the agency who took the pictures. I'm sorry, this is, this is ridiculous because they knew every, it's impossible that the Balenciaga brand would not know what is going to be in the media with their name. Right. Because, because the stylist... The director yeah. of photography takes it, delivers the product to Valencia, 
and somebody marketing publishing editors decide that that's acceptable to be online exactly or to exactly. be in their, in their um, and and I just want to and I just want to say something somebody who I have never watched personally because I don't watch these things um Kim Kardashian is a brand ambassador to Balenciaga and all she said when she was questioned about this, she said, oh, as a mother of four children, I am shocked about these disturbing images. Disturbing images? They are criminal images. Mm -hmm. you know. And then she said that she would reevaluate her relationship with the brand. I'm sorry, but she's saying this today. Back then, in 2022, when she was at the Met Gala with them now, with the designer, I, mean, I know, you know, I know. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty shocking because, because you say, okay, so the, the social media influencers will take yes. to push out something and then blame ignorance or blame deceit when, in fact, it's impossible to do that if you understand how branding does work and how Absolutely. influencers are paid and the responsibility of any influencer who's going to, in fact, take money. Exactly. All right. But, but also, sorry, can I finish with this? I don't know if this information is... Um, checkable, but I mean, can be checked. I mean, online. We have to verify. Also, we have to verify it, but, yeah, it, but please, it has been reported. verified. But I, but somebody sent me this information, and I had to read it, and I would like to read it for you. A creative director of the Balenciaga fashion house Demna became the ambassador of the United Twenty Four fundraising platform initiated by President Vladimir Zelensky in the Ukraine recovery direction to help temporarily displaced persons. We will find out about that. We will find out about if, if, if in fact, if, if, if that is true. Uh, we also, last night, we also had um, something that was sent to me that Gorda out of, out of Kyiv uh, has pictures just like the pictures on Valencia as well. So with children, with chains, um, so who knows if this is a trend or who knows if this, you know, trying to get somebody in trouble that's in Kiev or something like that. But the, but the, isn't um, the director the same one for both companies? I, I believe I believe so. I mean, I totally invite you to verify with your own sources because your sources can go further than mine could go. But I, I believe that this is the case. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so we're so we're 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 dehumanizing, commodifying children. Okay, that, that's and, the bottom and, and, you line. Know, and uh, you know, Christine, we, we know you and I know that we are transformed by what we accept. Mm -hmm. We know that we are transformed by the information that passes, that is banalized in the whole world, and it brings the tolerance of what is criminal lower and lower and lower. And, you know, maybe this is the plan, but people should know. Well, people should people should know that when you when you start normalizing uh, and, and basically removing the innocence of, of a childhood and traumatizing children, you're forever changing the soul of that human being. And that's morally unacceptable, should be intolerable. And people have to be more aware of it and not just brush it off and say, well, it didn't happen to me. It didn't happen to my children. I mean, I'm a non-victim and I've been saying this for 23 years. People who are non-victims need to get their heads out of cement, take a moral stand 
And if you're not for the protection of everybody's child, something's wrong with you because everybody's child is, is, is a child of God. And, and every every child should be protected. Let's talk about this in the context. Let's shift here a little bit, Homero, because you're from Iran. Yeah. Tell us about what you're hearing about happening to the young people in Iran right now, because, you know, it's, it's getting horrifying when they, when they start assassinating, hanging people uh, who are speaking out. And and, and yes, that's that's absolutely. what we're, we're We're going after kids who are, you know, protesting. Um, exactly. And this all started exactly. in September. But also what is happening is that before getting executed, the this religious uh, factions in Iran, they claim that uh, you cannot hang somebody who is a virgin. So every they're all raped before. Mm -hmm. So and we have cases of young girls who died when they were released from the hospital. They died because they had hemorrhage inside them their bodies. So mm -hmm. rape is a part of what they are doing to the protesters who are prisoners, then they get raped. Even if they are released, many committed suicide. We are questioning ourselves why. For me, rape could be, you know, if they have experienced rape for 40 days by a group of people, they may not want to live anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, some died because of the hemorrhage. So rape is part of the punishment that they, um, this mullahs give to, to, you know, give to protesters next to killing them, executing them without lawyers, without, without any boundaries. I mean, it is, it is beyond words can say. And I am totally shocked that the world is sitting down and watching because, you know, uh, I don't care if any, uh, politicians says that they condemn what is happening. Of course, what else can they say? Mm -hmm. But what are they doing beyond condemning? I, I don't accept people who say executions should stop. I mean, the mullahs don't care about shoulds and should nots. They never did. So well, that's true, and this and this has been this is something that they have done, uh, you know, in the in the days during, years. Yeah, during the fall of the show, they did, they did yeah. things like that, and they they also, you know, the pictures that have been coming out uh, about the pellets that they're using. Okay, these are pellets that that I, I don't want to call them BB guns. I don't know, they're not bullets per se, but they're something like BB guns. But they're shooting the genitals of the boys and they're shooting yeah. the, the the breasts and the genitals of the, of the girls at the same time. And some of the the pictures that we've seen, I mean, they're just and it's in their backs as well, but it's just laden with holes. Yes. Uh, and so it's too. And, and then the doctors from from what I know is a lot of the doctors are afraid to care for these kids. Yes. on the street who are getting beaten up like this because they don't want to have, you know, the mula police, the mullah police, you know, knocking on their front doors. Yeah. Yeah. So they are intimidation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it is a, it, it's a disaster to think this is happening in 2023 and, and we are, the world is only watching. Uh, it's, it's, I have no words, Christine. I have no word for what is happening in Iran. I have no word for the lack of courage of our politicians. I have no word. Where is the UN? Where are those all these women 
like, I don't know, Oprah Winfrey, um, what is her name, Hillary Clinton, Barack, uh, no, um, Mrs. Michelle Obama, who always said that they were fighting for the rights of women. Where are they? Why don't we hear them? Well, we don't hear, there's, there's a void, there's a silence there, but also where are, where are the people uh, in Western civilization that know what, what she is doing to the Uyghurs in China? Where are we in no. terms of what the Taliban is now doing in girls in Afghanistan, uh, telling them they can't go to university, they're kicking out the NGOs in Afghanistan, they don't want the girls and the women to work, they they, they criticize them if they don't have on the, the appropriate dress according to the Taliban's image. Uh, so we're, we're going backwards because totally. we, we have people not speaking up. We have people not speaking up and all those years where our parents and grandparents fought for our freedom, kind of freedom today, we're going backwards. All that for, was for nothing. All the people who died for, for today, you know, for what was the world, we are going backwards. In, in, I mean, freedom, speaking about freedom, when you see, as you say very rightly, what's happening in Afghanistan, what's happening in Iran, what's happening in China, yeah, and, and, and there is nobody saying anything. And, and our politicians are still dealing behind the curtains together and they're still signing stuff because they, 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 they want to have, they want to get the deals from this or that country, whatever they are doing to their people. I, did, did your head snap as much as mine did a year, year ago, February, when they did the Canadian convoys and the uh, Minister of Finance, Frieden and Justin Trudeau said, freeze the bank accounts? Yeah. I, I was just having covered three wars. I thought, if this doesn't snap, you know, the Western press, I don't know what would because the countries, it doesn't happen in developed countries. Yes. And the fact that they did people did not stand up for that. I thought, wow. Yes, I agree. I agree. I agree. And you know, the, the, there is a total um, contradiction because for example, when remember when the war started in Ukraine uh, between mm -hmm. Russia and Ukraine, all the belongings of the Russians were frozen all over the world. Mm -hmm. uh, they, the, the boats were uh, not theirs anymore. The bank was why are we not doing the same thing for those who are doing what they're doing to the Iranian people who stole all the money of the country and whose kids are living in Canada, in the US, in the UK, some maybe in France, but mostly in the US, in Australia and Canada. And we are doing nothing. Not only that, but what about what about the human rights violations with the Uyghurs in China? Uh, you know, nothing, I, I mean, it, it's it it seems to me that we have a level of hypocrisy that needs to be fully exposed because yes. it all depends on business deals. Recently, um, the Attorney General in uh, the Virgin Islands, okay. you know, uh, settled a case. It was a civil case for, I, f I forget how many, hundred. It's, it's over a hundred million dollars. for this 105. <clears throat> 105, thank you. I know you'd have that, dear. Uh, so it was $105 million that was settled civilly with the uh, Epstein estate in November. And then <clears throat> she filed the criminal case against J.P. Morgan 
Chase for facilitating the trafficking operation because he had numerous accounts at J.P. Morgan Chase, and whereby he would pay the people who ran his operations. Some of them his his earlier named co-conspirators, but they're unnamed in the complaint. And some of the people who actually worked for him to facilitate the logistics or the legal side of it. And then the Attorney General George from the Virgin Islands gets fired. What's your yeah. take on that? Um, I mean, I, you know what, my. Although, my... although I, before you go on, although I must say, there is a civil case now against J.P. Morgan Chase by some of the victims who are basically asserting the same thing that the attorney general did, but she did it in a criminal way. I mean, what could be my take on that, except, um, I mean, Christine, uh, uh, Gillian Maxwell was, was, uh, is, is in jail for having trafficked um, human trafficking, sex trafficking. Where is the list of the clients? For whom? There were no clients, so why is she in jail? So I, I'm just saying this to, to say that what is happening to, to um, what is her name, um, this lady, Dennis George, uh, is with, former yeah, Attorney General George. Yeah. Ridiculous because it happened. I, I heard that she was dismissed four days after having filed the case against uh, J.P. Morgan, who facilitated, as she says. And I think she did because the victims also say, you know, so, I mean, there is enough evidence. Why was she dismissed is a question mark. But but my question mark goes beyond. And does anybody really wants to know what happened with the Epstein case? I'm not sure. I'm not sure because we, we, you know we talked we talked about that earlier when um, the the French were taking a look at um, Brunel, but before he he died in jail too, who was one of uh, Epstein's cohorts and Maxwell's cohorts. But <clears throat> you have to wonder where do people really stand morally? Are they really going to go through with these investigations and get to the bottom of it so people can say that okay, this should never happen again, or scare people? I mean, I, I'm more concerned now with the account, the lack of accountability. Yeah. When you have these big stories, it's it's like the pharmaceutical stories. Why do yes. we have in the United States for the COVID shots, no accountability for no standards of practices uh, for the clinical, for the manufacturing? Why is someone in the U.S. allowing the shipment of U.S. pharmaceuticals that don't have any of these standards of practices being distributed all over the world. Uh, and, I mean, and we know that there's enough adverse effects by yeah. people who are experts in this field of clinical trials, manufacturing, regulations, and it's a small group of people, but the people are speaking out now and saying, at this point in time, the way that it should be done, these shots should be taken off the market. So, but there's no accountability. There's no prosecutors involved saying exactly. we need to take a look at this. There is, uh, and there is also the fact that the world leaders are encouraging. They continue telling people that they should get vaccinated, although the internet is full of stories of people who drop dead from one minute to another while they are giving a speech, while they are talking, while they are the number of young sportmen 
who who also passed away. I'm not saying I have no con no certainty that they all died from the vaccines, but I'm just saying because of the numbers and because of the odds, because they were healthy people, but mm -hmm. they had had the shots. Why not try to understand what happened and maybe in the meantime, avoid talking about people who are forced to get the shots because we don't know where that's going. And right. giving it to pregnant women who are losing their the babies, giving it to the kids, my God. I mean, the, there is no cross-examination. We don't know what is, we still don't know. Right, and we don't we don't know the long term effects of this. That that's what's pretty scary about it. Omer, let's let's talk a little bit about the press as you and I know it, because you know you and I know legacy media. <laughs> we've you know we've been we've been at this for a long time. What yes. happened? What happened to the people that we know that that are not willing to take a look at these stories that aren't showing the skepticism that they normally would have had? You know, Christine, I have to say, uh, I, when I think about today and I think about 24 years ago when I started Innocence in Danger, I had a group of journalists whom I trusted mm -hmm. and I knew they will, persons like yourself, I knew that they would want to know the truth and I knew that they would do the work in a very honest manner. Today, when this story about uh, these pictures of Balenciaga came out a couple of days ago, I was sent all the information from here, there, Germany, France, even Russia, even Ukraine. I was thinking to myself, okay, to whom can I turn to mm -hmm. say, help me? This is not okay. We are banalizing a crime. Mm -hmm. I didn't find any names, Christine, because they are gone. I don't know. Uh, today, I, 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 I don't know anybody who is really interested to dig information because I think people are only, um, they only care about their jobs. They don't want to move anything that may that may, may have them risk their position. Um, they don't want to dig because those who did dig, one, of, one or two of the journalists who did very, very precious programs on TV in France back then, 20, 24 years ago, uh, they have, nobody knows where they are. I'm not mm -hmm. saying they have disappeared physically, right. Right. but they have disappeared from the media scene. Maybe they were whatever. I mean, it's it, it, the world has changed even in, in that field. I don't have the same connections anymore. Well, it, you know, what's interesting to me is we need to educate people. We need to create a demand in the market. We need to let people know that, yeah, there are people out here who are journalists, who are investigators, who care about their, their children and also care about humanity because yeah. the, the um, I mean, this is a cesspool culturally worldwide. No, no one can convince me otherwise. It's just too many people that are being damaged, that are being lied to. Yeah, people accepting money—they're being paid off. I mean, more, morally, we have we've sunk to a new level because we have people saying 
that we, we really give a damn about humanity when in fact they're, they're, they're not. The facts mm-hmm. just aren't, the facts do not measure the up to the statements are, yeah, that exactly. are coming out of their mouth. Exactly. Um, but I, but, but let me, from, from the European side, um, because we, we, we're going to end this soon, but on the European side, what's the impression of, of you know, American foreign policy? I mean, and, and, and where we're going with, with all the, the Biden administration's positions. I mean, because, you know, our money is going into NATO and Zelensky. And I mean, what, are your, what does the average European think about this? Well, I mean, maybe the information doesn't cross borders, Christine, but there are many, many Europeans also who are not in favor of what NATO is doing and all the funding that the NATO is getting, that Zelensky is getting. There are, I mean, I'd I'd rather not go into details because because it would be, um, yeah. But I mean, not everybody is in favor of what uh, the EU is doing. and of course, not everybody thinks that the Biden administration is making the right choices. Of course not. Of course not. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole the European community, the European countries, and the U.S. are are pouring all their money to a situation where nobody knows where it will go. Right. At the same time, in the U.S. And in Europe, the level of poverty is going crazy. It's increasing because of inflation and, and, and because yes. of the electricity. People and the are gas. dying. They, they, are, they don't have money to buy food. Um, they talk about gas, electricity shortage. Why? I mean, so these men and women for whom we voted, what, where is diplomacy? They couldn't do anything. They only have to shot each other. Only war is the only and unique uh, solution. Well, that that's been my position. I, that's been my position from the very beginning. Failure. If you do not, if you do not have a table, and the table is called diplomacy, and no one's sitting at it, you have no right to to, to take to take taxpayers' money to fight a war, because exactly. the only way that you can end a war is with diplomacy. Yes, but 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 you see, this is where I question: Do uh, do we want not you and I, mm-hmm. our governments? Do they want uh, to um, end wars, or is war more lucrative um, economically? So let's go to war because, like this, there is more money for for. I I don't know what to think. It's crazy, but I have to say that I still don't understand why do. Diplomacy couldn't give anything. You have uh, all these European countries and the U.S. superpowers who could not sit around the table and find a way not to kill each, not for people not to kill each other, mm-hmm. and for mm-hmm. millions not to be wasted. Unless they have another agenda to use the war in Ukraine as a proxy to get rid of Putin. Um, that may be that may be the end goal here. Um, and it may not be it may not be what people think it is, because the one thing that I see that's negated from any of the conversations is the history of Ukraine and NATO and the promises that were made in the early 1990s to Russia at that time about mm-hmm. putting putting anything at risk uh, near the exactly. border. OK, and people, you know, there's 
there's we have about uh, I don't know 70 90 million people that were born after 1990 in the United States so they don't even know what what happened in the 1990s the way yes. you and I do so I mean we we have a we have a vacuum of not just misinformation but willful ignorance to understand what's going on yes I mean nobody knows about the treaties which were signed between NATO US Russia and whether they have been respected or not people don't want to they don't want to know they just are yeah yeah mm -hmm. of course mm -hmm. and Zelensky said Zelensky said before February 24th of last year uh, that he I think it was the summer before he said that he wasn't going to acknowledge the the uh, Minsk agreements so he had basically said the hell with it in terms of 1990s not, I'm not saying it justifies everything that's happened since, but it, it's not the full picture of information that's out there right now. I mean, the first reporting coming out was that, oh, this just started in, you know, February of uh, 2022. When in fact, you know, our colleague, our, our founder, you know, Todd has been over there since 2014. So, it, it, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ignorance, I think. Ignorance, misinformation, which is held, I would say somehow, because it, it, it's much better to keep people ignorant. You see, people who are ignorant are much easier to be manipulated and to, you can do whatever you want with them. Right. And right. this is what is happening in the world because this war is totally ridiculous, totally ridiculous because the treaties have been disrespected. So that means treaties are worth nothing. It's very dangerous. Mm -hmm. And also to isolate Russia and I'm not defending Russia uh, nor Putin, but Russia is now hands in hands with Iran and China. Is that what the world wants? Mm -hmm. And we know that those countries are, I mean, they are capable of anything. Not and, that our countries violators are Violators of human rights. Our, yeah. Violators so, of human rights. Yeah. Crazy time for the bedfellows. On oh, the yes. international stage. Oh, yes. Homera Selye, thank you. Thank you. Um, we will do this again. And I know it's a somber moment for all of everybody listening, but we needed to do this to basically say people need to wake up because people the, the, need to wake up. They need to care for, the, for what is surrounding them. They, and they, I told some people, I don't, I, I don't care what you think, whether you dislike an information or, or not. But if you dislike it, act, react. We are all, I mean, we are the ones we are waiting for. Nobody will come and do it for us. Right. People need to get the moral courage and we need to Absolutely. see more of it. And we need to see, you know, stepping up to the plate. Homera, again, thank you. And I want to thank, thank the Curtis Bailey Network and John B. Wells and the Caravan to Midnight and the 8 million people audience that we have now looking at our shows and Homera Salier. Till the next time. Till the next time. Thank you, Christine. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye.